and welcome to Fraud uh, Busting Neo Frauds podcast. It is the only podcast for female fraud professionals and their allies who want to stay on top of the fraud awareness spectrum in order to thrive professionally while maximizing their happiness and having the courage to create the life they love. Thank you for listening. Hi, everyone, and welcome to this new episode of the Fraud Busting Your Frows podcast. Um, today, uh, for this uh, episode, without uh, further ado, I'd like to give Elise uh, the chance to introduce herself to the audience uh, briefly. Hi, Elise. Hi. Nice uh, to see you. Welcome, welcome. I'm excited having you as a guest because I know you have important things to share. Uh, but before we do that, uh, could you please briefly um, tell us a little bit more about who you are and what you do? Okay, my name is Elise Schuster, and um, I've been married for 38 years. I am birth mom to two grown children adopted mom to nine children and I have fostered in care of 56 children. Um, we opened our home many years ago to children that needed a home and uh, since then I have written a book called Cocoon on a Hill um, where we share our family's experiences to um, basically let other people know the joys and the rewards of fostering. Because unfortunately, this world kind of gravitates towards what's negative about foster care. No, there's so much good. Mm -hmm. And so basically, you have to look at the children and what you're doing in their lives and not worry about the political parts of the system as a whole. And that's what I've learned. And, I, and in my book, that's what I try to express. Mm -hmm. Well, thanks yeah. so much, Elise, for this uh, introduction. I'm actually excited to learn more about your book uh, and perhaps sharing with audiences any sorts of links within the episode. Um, but most of all, I'd like to ask you this question. If you could please share a little bit uh, in more details about um, your story and the challenges uh, related to that. Okay, so what I've learned um, through the years is that, you know, uh, people in the agency world of foster care, they have their calling, they have their specific spot for what they do in the care of the children. They do all of the, you know, the necessities for the state levels and that kind of a thing. So then we open our homes and our hearts and we do what we can on our side. Unfortunately, what I've learned is neither side knows what the other people are doing. <laughs> mm -hmm. And so what happens is there's a massive communication gap. Um, so many people that begin fostering, Olga, they start and within 15 months they quit because they're so burnt out by the political parts and the lack of communication. Mm -hmm. So there lies another problem because then those children that are in their home, Olga, get to be moved again. That is so sad for me. I can't handle that. So what I've done is I'm creating a course called Communication um, Within and um, teaching communication between caseworkers and foster parents to understand each other's calling and part of the team. Mm 
And I really believe without a shadow of a doubt, I believe that most people that are working together do not understand what each person is doing. Mm -hmm. Okay. And that's very important. It's just like working in any office situation. If you don't know what your coworkers are doing, you know, you'll never succeed to be successful in, in your task. Mm -hmm. And it's the same thing with these children. Um, we all need to work better together. So I'm trying to find a more effective way to work together and then bring that forth so that I can go and teach classes to do this. Mm -hmm. yeah. oh, wow, Elise, um, that's so wonderful what you're doing. Uh, and I'm wishing you uh, strength and luck and lots of success um, with um, your goal. You know, I, I think this... Um, idea is is just amazing uh, and thank you actually for 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 doing that um it sounds definitely sad uh thinking that uh in the middle of such uh an issue a problem with communication the kids are the ones who probably are uh struggling. always yeah there are children out there that have been moved over 20 times because of lack of communication Honestly, and I really believe that if we was as adults, the children get put in the care system beginning with because of adults. And then they get moved around again because of adults. But as foster parents, we're supposed to teach these children to trust adults. Yeah. <laughs> and it's very difficult. It really is. And so I feel if we don't take care of this piece of communication, the children are never going to be able to understand either. Mm -hmm. So we can't expect them to understand what the adults in their lives are not doing themselves. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Lead by example is what I say, right? Everybody says that you lead by example. So that's major that we have to teach these children how to get along with each other, how to trust each other, how to respect each other. And it's so important. It's a big circle and we have to work better together for the children. So through the years, Olga, I've heard so many people say, I could never foster because the system is so broken. I don't want to get involved in all of that. Well, you know, my heart is this. The children did not break that system. Yeah. And these children are the ones, again, being left behind and paying the price for that, you know, unfortunate uh, stigma that people have on the system as a whole. Um, they're being left to be called hotel children. They're called hotel kids now because there's not enough foster families to take care of them, Olga. And so they're being held, literally held in, in hotel rooms, waiting for families to say, okay, I'll step up and take care of them. Or they're being put in detention centers where children that are really being doing things badly getting in trouble, getting put in detention. And then here comes Johnny from the system because there's nowhere else to go. He gets put in that, that detention center as well. Or even other children are sleeping on cots in agency offices because there's nowhere for them to go. So my major calling is to go out there and, and totally express the severe need for foster parents. And I always say, no matter what, trauma we may go through as foster parents because leaving children coming in your home for three four five years and then all of a sudden they have to leave now okay they go back to their family they find a family member 
That's traumatic. That's heartbreaking. However, there's nothing as a foster parent we can go through that's any worse than what these children have already faced themselves. And so that's how I feel I get through this on a daily basis. I have to plant my seeds, plant that love, give them stability, say, you know what? I am here for you no matter what the system brings. I will never, ever let that come before my caring for you. Uh, wow, Elise, thanks so much for sharing um, these de details, even though they sound difficult, but I think they're helping the audiences understand the issue in more detail. Um, I would also love to ask you uh, to provide the, perhaps a, a specific example just to make a little bit more clear to uh, the listeners um, about, you know, certain um examples so with with kids in in such a position um but overall thank you for your courage and thank you for uh this tireless uh goal that, that you uh yeah have. i am i am without words um however i'm also curious this issue is existing in your view uh, only in Colorado where you are at, or you think it's a global issue? It's global. Mm -hmm. Yes. Uh, currently right now in the United States alone, there's almost 500,000 children mm -hmm. in foster care or within the foster care system. There's only 200,000 foster parents, foster families. Mm -hmm. So with that, the children have to be doubled up in homes or left in other places, like I like I expressed, the hotels and stuff. So there's not enough foster families taking care of them. And so with 500,000 children, that just breaks my heart. Yeah. yeah. So I always think, like, I've been in this long enough to know the little terms that they use. You know, they call recruit and retain foster parents. Mm -hmm. Well, recruiting, I don't want to recruit anybody. That just means I'm trying to talk them into something, you know? Mm -hmm. I feel like we should be engaging people, yeah. engage them into understanding the needs, you know, and then sustain them with what they need to be successful. So like I say, going from recruit and retain, retaining means you're keeping them there. I hate that word for some reason. It just yeah. bothers me. Yeah. So recruit recruit and retain. No, I like engage and sustain them with what they need to be successful. Yeah. And that's how I feel, you know? And so we have what we call the foster care services. Mm -hmm. That's another term I don't care for much because foster care means temporary. Yeah. Temporarily giving a child a home to keep them safe, to give them the things they need to just survive for now. Mm -hmm. I believe we need to do a family hope services. Mm -hmm. Start with the family themselves, give them the sources they need to be hopeful for their future. Mm -hmm. So instead of being a foster care, we're giving, giving them family hope. Mm -hmm. And I believe that we've, we've really used foster care services as a holding spot. Mm -hmm. until families got their needs together, their courses together to meet the requirements of the state to get their children back. Mm -hmm. Well, in the meantime, again, I say the children are the ones paying the price. Yeah. 
But why don't we start at the family level, the parents' level, and get them to be able to take care of their children, not just discipline them for what they're doing incorrectly, mm -hmm. teach them what they need to do to keep their families together. We split them people up so fast. Mm -hmm. We really do. And that's what I have experienced in my 30 years. Mm -hmm. Instead of, you know, the Smiths having trouble, oh, take those children away from them. No, no, no. Let's work with them better. Yeah. Let's teach them better skills. Not everybody's going to be an awesome parent. <laughs> yeah. It's just not that way. Sometimes these difficulties of being a parent alone plus added on uh, stress, plus added on, you know, difficulties. Mm -hmm. Some parents can't handle it. And then the kids pay the price. Yeah. So a lot of children even paid more prices through the pandemic mm -hmm. because they were, they were home more often. They, the parents were stressed. Parents were losing their jobs, things like this. Mm -hmm. And so they were getting stressed and then the children were paying the price again. So the <clears throat> pandemic made our foster care system just go fly high. Mm -hmm. More children were put in foster care during the pandemic. Mm -hmm. And again, that, that goes back to the opportunity of teaching the skills from the beginning. Mm -hmm. Pandemic was stressful for all of us. Yeah. But if sure. you don't, but if you don't have that basic skill level of, of being a parent, it's going to be even harder. So they moved the children and now there's nowhere for them to go. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So can I share a story real quick of a success? Oh, absolutely. <clears throat> okay. So I go to call one night for three children. I'm never going to say names. So three children were found in a motel. The little two-year-old girl had been told so, and this is an awful thing, but it's a success story. Okay. okay. So, so unfortunately sexually abused, two years old. Mom needed whatever she needed, so she used her two-year-old baby girl to get what she needed. Okay, long story short, baby comes to us at two. Two and a half years, I slept on the floor with her because she did not want to be alone. She wouldn't sleep in a bed. I couldn't give her a bath. I used the pool in the backyard to give her a bath through the summer because she was too afraid of going in the bathroom. So these are the keys you know, oh my gosh, something happened to her in there. Mm -hmm. something happened to her in the bed mm -hmm. my success story is this this little girl is now over 10 years old and thriving mm -hmm. she's not with me she's with the grandma mm -hmm. but to get them the success that you need to teach the pe foster parents what is necessary to get them the resources they need the therapy they need the care they need we're not babysitting Mm -hmm. We are literally changing lives as foster parents. Mm -hmm. If that little girl was left to just be in a care center that had no one-on-one, -on -one, who knows where she'd be today, mentally and psychologically and emotionally, Yeah, you know? But as foster parents, our job, if you will, is so severe to change lives. And like I say, give them wings of hope for their future. Mm -hmm. I'm not babysitting. It's just not, not what we do. Mm -hmm. You know, we've had seven meth, newborn meth babies in our home. My husband would just rock them to sleep and <clears throat> they would just go with withdrawals. 
So foster care is an amazing opportunity to change the lives of so many people. So with my story, Olga, we not only have the opportunity to change the lives of the children, but I'm the kind of foster mom where I'm friendly with the parents because some of these parents only learned what they knew from their parents. Yeah. I don't look down on the parents. Mm -hmm. They had a different mindset than me and I had different opportunities to learn than them. So I'm no better than they are. Mm -hmm. So one of our baby girls, she said to me, why do you love my mama so much? And I was just like, what? I said, I love your mama. She goes, aren't you mad at her for what she's done? I'm like, well, I'm not pleased, of course. But now you're in my life. I got blessed by this. Mm -hmm. You see what I mean? Yeah. I said, I'm here to be with mama too. I'm showing her how beautiful her daughter is. You know, and you are in a good place now where you can have visits with your mom. And you can, and, and she can see how beautiful you are and all the things. I said, we have to work together on a better, on a better level than being, here's the parents that did bad. Now here's the children that need your help. It, no, we all need to be on the same playing field. Mm -hmm. And I think it's so critical. Mm -hmm. And so that's why I use my voice, Olga. <laughs> uh, no, absolutely. Thank you so much for your courage. Um, what you're doing is is amazing i i would call you a warrior honestly <laughs> you are you are a warrior such a warrior um but there is a question that comes to mind after hearing out a little bit more examples from your uh, stories and from your work um for the listeners who um decide to um somehow try become foster parents and and you know help uh, the situation in some way what kind of resources do you have to share for them how to find ways to become foster um, parents well the first thing you would need to do is go to your local county office um, there's two different kinds of offices there's county offices and then there's private offices you can go to both and then they will cert if they'll ask you some questions and then you can get certified through your state. Mm -hmm. Okay. Um, you are allowed to say, you know, I only think I can handle newborn babies to five-year-olds. Mm -hmm. And that's your space. Because mm -hmm. obviously, if you can't handle a 15-year-old, you don't want that in your family. Because <laughs> it'll just cause more trauma for your core family and the child itself. Mm -hmm. So you go to your county and you start that process mm -hmm. and they'll come into your home and they'll check and make sure all your, your things, they give you a list of things that are required. And it's a great process. It is. And they give you a, a questionnaire. Um, and what I'm doing is my second course that I'm teaching uh -huh. is um, I put a course together. What's required. You know, those books, it says what to expect when you're expecting. Mm -hmm. Have you ever seen those mommy books? Yeah. Well, I have one that's, you know, what to expect when you become a foster parent, mm -hmm. all the paperwork you need, all the requirements, all the things that should be done in your home. You know, people don't understand you have to lock up your medication. You have to lock this uh, knives away. You can't have all the normalcies that we have mm -hmm. as a regular family. Um, and so all those things, the more you know, the more education you know, when you begin the process of fostering, the easier the process will be.
And that's my goal right now is to get people to engage in the idea of fostering mm -hmm. and then give them the, the tools needed to be successful. Mm -hmm. And by teaching them from the beginning, be prepared in this way. Mm -hmm. And then when you get a child, there's another process. How to uh, how to uh, make the children feel welcome in your home. There's certain little things you can do even in their room that will help you engage on a relationship with the children to make them feel more comfortable. Mm -hmm. And these are all the things that I've learned through the years. Mm -hmm. You know, if you leave a little stuffed animal on a little child's bed, that's amazing. You would think it wouldn't be, but it is. Mm -hmm. Because they engage with you. Oh, look it, you know, and then there's your first door to communicate. Mm -hmm. Again, communication is key in every aspect of foster care. You've got to talk to each other. You have to be able to speak with the children, speak with the, the, the therapist. You have a therapist, doctors, you know, everybody. So you have a lot of people involved and it's, it's really worth it. Mm -hmm. Uh, well, Elise, thank you so much for sharing all uh, these details um, uh, about how to become a foster parent. I'm sure lots of uh, listeners would uh, be interested in uh, learning more about that. Um, I'd like to ask you also what kind of message or perhaps an advice you could provide to the audiences out there and maybe women specifically in order to be resilient, no matter the difficulties that we face uh, in life. Amen. It is such a, such a problem, uh, like you were describing in this interview as well. Anything basically you, you like to share. So what I've learned in my foster care world is that this, every time a child leaves my home, I get very heartbroken. And my husband says I get in a funk for a few days. <laughs> you know, I do. Because my heart's going, oh my gosh, I'm not going to see them anymore. You know? Mm -hmm. And that's really hard for me because we have had children, Olga, up to eight years. Mm -hmm. And then we get a call that they're leaving. And that's difficult. Very yeah. difficult. Yeah. And so I've had to learn why I started this in the first place. Mm -hmm. That was to give hope to children give them a safe place, show them what real love is unconditionally mm -hmm. and to show them how to get along with other people so they can be successful in their lives. If I have fulfilled those things that I put before me, there's my resilience. Mm -hmm. I get strength from knowing I did what I was called to do. Mm -hmm. It's not easy, yeah. but it's what I hold on to. My resilience comes from now the next phone call comes in and says, will you take a five-year-old? Will you take a brother with him? And okay, here's my next opportunity. Mm -hmm. Next, you know, you just keep doing it. And the resilience comes with knowing you're doing what you're called to do. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And I just get back up, get out of my funk and move on again, you know? And with 56 different children, I'm telling you, the the way it is when I go to the lo local Walmart and I see them and they're like, oh, you know, oh, my gosh, the feeling in your heart, knowing you made a difference in that child's life is what has kept me going. That's my resilience. Wow. Thanks so much uh, for answering this question so wonderfully. Um, and I'm very grateful for, for this interview and everything you shared, of course, 
everything you do uh, day in, day out. I would love to also share any links you can provide to your books for the listeners uh, to read and have access to. Uh, and uh, thank you so much. Well, in my book, uh, it's called Cocoon on a Hill because we live on a hill in Colorado. And this is where we've raised all the children. And I am physically the one I released the butterflies out into the world. <laughs> and that's why it's called Cocoon. Uh -huh. um, we're the safe haven. Mm -hmm. um, and we help them form and get strong. Okay. Mm -hmm. So that's why I picked that word. Um, and I'm at www.elisemschuster.com. And that's where in my book, Cocoon on a Hill, you can also get references to where and how you become a foster parent. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Okay. So again, it's Elise, E-L-I-S-E-M-S-C-H-U-S-T-E-R.com. And that's it. Thank you, Elise, uh, so much. Uh, and uh, thanks, everyone, for listening to today's episode. Stay healthy and happy.